Chapter Seven of Gentle Julia by Booth Tarkington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Bologna Times. A week later, on a hot July afternoon, Miss Florence Atwater, recovered from her cold, stood in the shady backyard of her place of residence and yawned more extensively than anyone would have believed possible, judging by her face in repose. Three of her friends, congenial in age and sex, were out of town for the summer. Two had been ascertained, by telephonic inquiries, to be taking commanded siestas, and neither the other one nor Florence had yet forgotten that yesterday, although they were too religious to commit themselves to a refusal to meet as sisters in the great beyond, they had taken the expurgated oath that by everything they would never speak to each other again so long as they both should live. Florence was at the end of her resources. She had sought distraction in experimental cookery, but, having scorched a finger, and having been told by the cook that a person's own kitchen wasn't worth the price at eleven dollars a week, if it had to get all smelled up with broiled rubber, when the thermometer stood at ninety-seven degrees in the shade, the experimenter abusedly turned her back on the morose woman and went out to the backyard for a little peace. After an interval of torpor, she decided to go and see what Herbert was doing, a move not short of desperation on account of Herbert's new manner toward her. For a week, Herbert had steadily pursued his scientific career, and he seemed to feel that in it he had attained a distinction beyond the reach of Florence. What made it ridiculous for her to hope was, of course, the fact that she was a girl, and Herbert had explained this to her in a cold, unpleasant way, for it is true that what is called feminism must be acquired by men, and is not a condition or taste natural to them. At thirteen it has not been acquired. She found him at home. He was importantly engaged in a room in the cellar where were loosely stored all manner of incapacitated household devices, two broken clothes-ringers, a crippled and rusted sewing-machine, an ice-cream freezer in like condition, a cracked and discarded marble mantelpiece, chipped porcelain and chinaware of all sorts, rusted stove-lids and flat-irons, half a dozen dead mops and brooms. This was the laboratory, and here, in congenial solitude, Herbert conducted his investigations. That is to say, until Florence arrived, he was undisturbed by human intrusion, but he was not alone. Far from it. There was, in fact, almost too much life in the place. Where the light felt clearest from the cobwebby windows at the ground level overhead, he had placed a long deal table, once a helpmate in the kitchen, but now a colorless antique on three legs and two starch boxes. Upon the table were seven or eight glass jars, formerly used for preserves and pickles, and a dozen jelly glasses, with only streaks and bits of jelly in them now, and five or six small round pasteboard pill boxes. The jars were covered, some with their own patent tops, others with shingles or bits of board, and one with a brick. The jelly glasses stood inverted, and were inhabited. So were the preserved jars and pickle jars, 
and so were the pill-boxes, which evidently contained star borders, for they were pierced with breathing-holes, and one of them, standing upon its side like a little wheel, now and then moved in a faint, ghostly manner, as if about to start rolling on its own account. Whereupon Herbert glanced up and addressed it sternly, though somewhat inconsistently. "'You shut up!' In the display of so much experimental paraphernalia, there may have been a hint that Herbert's was a scientific nature, craving rather quantity than quality. His collection certainly possessed the virtue of multitudinousness, if that be a virtue, and the birds in the neighborhood must have been undergoing a great deal of disappointment. In brief, as many bugs as Herbert now owned have seldom been in the custody of any private individual, and nearly all of them were alive, energetic, and swearing, though several of the preserved jars had been imperfectly drained of their heavy syrups, and in one of them a great many spiders seemed to be having, of the whole collection, the poorest time, being pretty well mired down and yet still subject to disagreements among themselves. The habits of this group, under such unusual surroundings, formed the subject of Herbert's special study at the moment of Florence's arrival. He was seated at the table, and frowning with science, as he observed the unfortunates through that magnifying glass, his discovery of which was responsible for their present condition and his own choice of a career. Florence paused in the doorway, but he gave no sign of recognition, unless his intensified preoccupation was a sign, and Florence, perceiving what line of conduct he meant to adopt, instinctively selected a reciprocal one for herself. "'Herbert Atwater, you ought to be punished. I'm going to tell your father and mother.' "'You go away,' Herbert returned, unmoved, and, without condescending to give her a glance, he set down the magnifying glass, and with a pencil wrote something profoundly entomological in a soiled memorandum book upon the table. "'Run away, Florence!' Run away somewheres and play. Florence approached. Play, she echoed tartly. I should think you wouldn't talk much about playing the way you're teasing those poor, poor little bugs. Teasing, Herbert exclaimed. That shows, that shows. Shows what? How much you know? He became despondent about her. See here, Florence, it doesn't look to me as though, at your age, a person ought to know anyway enough not to disturb me when I'm experimenting, and everything, I should think. But she did not prove so meek as to await the conclusion of his remonstrance. I never saw anything as wicked in my whole born days. What did any of those poor, poor little bugs ever do to you? I'd like to know. You got to go and confine em like this. Oh, and look how dirty your hands are. This final charge, wandering so far from her previous specifications of his guilt, was purely automatic and conventional. Florence often interjected it during the course of any cousinly discussion, whatever the subject in dispute, and she had not even glanced at Herbert's hands to assure herself that the accusation was warranted. But, as usual, the facts supported her, and they also supported Herbert in his immediate mechanical retort. So are yours. Not either. 
but here florence after instinctively placing her hands behind her brought forth the right one to point and simultaneously uttered a loud cry of oh look at your hands for now she did look at herbert's hands and was amazed well what of it they're all lumpy she cried and as her gaze rose to his cheek her finger followed her eyes and pointed to strange appearances there look at your face well what of it he demanded his tone not entirely free from braggadocio a girl can't make experiments the way i do because if one of these good old bumblebees or hornets of mine was to give em a little sting once in a while while they was catchin em and puttin em in a jar all they'd know how to do'd be to holler and run home to their mamma nobody with any gumption minds a few little stings after you put mud on em i guess it serves you right florence said for persecuting these poor poor little bugs herbert became plaintive look here florence i do wish you'd go on back home where you belong but florence did not reply instead she picked up the magnifying glass and gazing through it at a pickle jar of mixed beetles caterpillars angleworms and potato bugs permitted herself to shudder vile things she said they are not either herbert retorted hotly they're about the finest insects that you or anybody else ever saw and you ought to be ashamed i ought his cousin cried well i should think you're the one ought to be ashamed if anybody ought down here in the cellar playing with all these vile bugs that ought to be given their liberty or thrown down the sewer or something again as she peered through the lens she shuddered vile florence he said sternly you lay down that magnifying glass why because you don't know how to handle it a magnifying glass has got to be handled in just the right way and you couldn't learn if you tried a thousand years that's a mighty fine magnifying glass and i don't intend to have it ruined why just looking through it can't spoil it can it she inquired surprised you'd lay it down said herbert darkly looking through it the wrong way isn't going to do it any good why how could just looking through it looking through it the wrong way isn't going to help it any i tell you he insisted you're old enough to know that and i'm not going to have my magnifying glass spoiled and all my insects wasted just because of a mere win of yours a what a mere win i said what's a win never mind you said herbert ominously you'll probably find out some day when you aren't expectin to undeniably florence was somewhat impressed she replaced the magnifying glass upon the table and picked up the notebook you lay that down too said herbert instantly oh maybe it's something you're shamed to go on and read it then he said suddenly changing his mind for he was confident that she would find matter here that might cause her to appreciate at least a little of her own inferiority knots florence began knots notes he corrected her fiercely notes she read notes on our insect friends 
the spitter spider the spider spends his time mostly in cobwebs where he diligently spins between posts and catches flies to eat them they are different colored and sizes and have legs in pairs spiders also spin their webs in corners or in weeds or on a fence and sometimes in the grass they are more able to get about quicker than caterpillars or fishing worms but cannot fly such as pinching bugs lightning bugs and birds because having no wings nor jump as far as the grasshopper grasshopper herbert shouted i'm reading it the way it's spelled florence explained anyway it don't make much sense herbert was at least enough of an author to be furious lay it down he said bitterly and go on back home to your dolls dolls certainly would be cleaner than vile bugs florence retorted tossing the book upon the table but in regards to that i haven't had any she went on airily not for years and years and years and he interrupted her his voice against plaintive see here florence how do you expect me to get my work done with you everlastingly talking and going on around here like this can't you see i've got something pretty important on my hands florence became thoughtful i never did see as many bugs before altogether this way she said what you going to do with them herbert i'm making my experiments but her thoughtfulness increased it seems to me she said slowly herbert it seems to me there must be some awful interesting thing we could do with so many bugs altogether like this we he cried my goodness whose insects do you think these insects are i just know there's something she went on following her own line of thought and indifferent to his outburst there's something we could do with them we'd never forget if we could only think of it in spite of himself herbert was interested well what he asked what could we do with them we'd never forget in her eyes there was a faraway light as of a serious groping i don't just know exactly but i know there's something if we could only think of it if we could just and her voice became inaudible as in dreamy concentration she seated herself upon the discarded ice-cream freezer and rested her elbows upon her knees and her chin upon the palms of her hands in silence then she thought and thought herbert also was silent for he too was trying to think not knowing that already he had proved himself to be wax in her hands and that he was destined further to show himself thus malleable like many and many another of his sex he never for an instant suspected that he spent the greater part of his time carrying out ideas implanted within him by a lady friend florence was ever the imaginative one of those two a maiden of unexpected fancies and inexplicable conceptions a mind of quicksilver and mist there was within her the seedling of a creative artist and as she sat there on the ice-cream freezer in herbert's cellar with the slowly growing roseate glow of deep preoccupation upon her she looked strangely sweet and good and even almost pretty End of chapter seven